Welcome to Get Real, How to Live a More Authentic Life with psychologist and author of over 75 books, Dr. Barry Weinhold. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Get Real, How to Live a More Authentic Life with Dr. Barry Weinhold. My name is Ben Barber. I'm the producer of the show, and I am happy to introduce the author or co-author of 78 books about psychology, one of the most intelligent men you'll ever meet on the subject. I am so happy. The host of the show, Dr. Barry Weinhold. Dr. Weinhold, how are, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, and I love being here with you. It makes my, makes my days go by uh, so much quicker. What's, um, what's new in your life? Uh, I mean, not, not too much, just working. I got this, I got this new, uh, Yeti mug, um, oh, nice. Yeah. that has, a, that has our logo engraved on it, uh, from my business partner as a, as a present. Um, Fantastic. and, uh, yeah. it's, it's nice. It keeps, it keeps things that are iced cold and, oh, nice. yeah. and, and hot, very hot, like for a ridiculous amount of time. Yeah, that's great. Uh, and, uh, it's, uh, it's good to be able to have those kind of little, uh, creature comforts. <laughs> it, it, yes, that's a great, I've never thought about it like that. That's a fantastic way to put it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I never, now, you know, someone said, someone said to me, and this is not an ad for this, uh, for, for, for Yeti that yeah. unless they want to give us money, Barry, right. Mm -hmm. If they want to give us, money, um, but, uh, somebody said that they put, um, ice in it, uh, and then drove to Florida from Rhode Island or Massachusetts for 20 hours and that, it stayed, and that it stayed cold. And my question is, how did you go for 20 hours without drinking your drink? Yeah, right. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. I don't know. But yeah. the more you, the more you, uh, the more you talk to somebody, the more you get to know them. Right. Yeah. And, well, I've uh, been, I've been really upset about the whole stuff in Ukraine. And, uh, yes. I, I, um, uh, I've spent, and my wife and I spent a lot of time working in Ukraine and, and meeting a lot of Ukrainian professionals, some therapists, some other people. And, Did you really? And uh, actually, we had two delegations of Ukrainians come visit us from different times and uh, about different ideas. And been working there uh, since, actually, the, the whole story begins with, we, uh, we were in Switzerland on a sabbatical. And we were hiking out in the Swiss countryside in nice spring, all the flowering trees. And uh, and uh, and we didn't know, but Chernobyl had blown up and we were getting nuked as we walked out in the countryside. We got a thousand times normal uh, of the uh, uh, the radiation in, in uh, three days that we were out there. And it was just... Uh, a, a horrendous experience, but then we ended up finding a way to connect with the uh, people in Ukraine that were helping the people who uh, were. Um... Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. Forgot to do that. There we go. Uh, we'll cut that part out. <laughs> so anyway, uh, long story short, we since about 1990, we've been working in Ukraine, uh, first helping many of the people who were evacuated from Pripyat, the town right next to the reactor, and had some humanitarian family-to-family -family projects. And then also we uh, uh, started training the staff of the humanitarian center. It was an NGO there in, in, in Kiev. And then finally, uh, we started working with uh, 
training people at the at the Kiev Gestalt University uh, therapists over there. And but in I don't know when it was 198 after after Zelensky got elected, I was so impressed with him. I watched his inauguration and his whole speech about when he actually ran. You know, he was a comedian and a television actor beforehand. Yeah, and no I know experience, that now. no experience at all in in politics, and he got elected with seventy four percent of the vote, and and so I thought that's pretty impressive, and so when I heard his his platform and saw what he was doing, I said, God, this guy is a true servant leader, and I had written a book called The Servant Leader, and I was giving out awards to people who exemplified servant leadership. And a lot of them are local people. And so I gave him an award uh, as a servant leader. And I, I'm really glad I did because he's proven to be even beyond a servant leader. He's he's humanitarian leader. And uh, and actually, he, he actually rivals Churchill now in terms of what he's doing during wartime. And it's an amazing kind of experience to watch this man, I, I, I subscribe to his website, so I get his talks every day and his speeches, and I read them every day, and it, they're truly inspiring. And I, I'm, I, I'm just so grateful that a man like uh, Vladimir Zelensky showed up, Vladimir, and uh, is leading his people because they really deserve somebody like him. They've had so so many terrible leaders over the years. Uh, so anyway, that was just I, I, that's on my mind, and I thought I'd just share that a little bit. Wow. Uh, so first of all, I had no idea that you had such a connection um, to Ukraine. Uh, that's thank you for sharing that with me. Also, now it it feels like my my uh, my weird mug commercial feels very uh, out of place. <laughs> um, the yeah, I, I think that that's uh, I, I had no idea that you guys I, I knew that you had done stuff um, in Europe and, and in Eastern Europe uh, with your work with the organization and, and, and everything that you've done. Um, but I, I did not know about all of that stuff. And, and the story of, you know, that's sort of what this episode of the podcast is about is um, is getting to know a, a little bit more about you, about about the man behind the lessons. Right. And, um, so that's sort of a, that's sort of a profound start, um, to, to, to this conversation that you and I are having right now. Um, let's, I, I would love to back up a little bit more, maybe even before Chernobyl and, um, and talk about your story and how you got into what you're doing, um, that led you to, uh, such a prolific, um, you know, you've written nearly 80 books, um, and, and you're still, you're still out there, uh, running, running your institution and doing all of these things, working with, uh, working with the younger generation on better help. Like, um, you know, tell me a little bit about, about where that started. Well, it's, it started in a very humble way. Uh, I'm the firstborn of, a uh, actually a Pennsylvania German family. Uh, my ancestors came from the Palatinate in Germany and they fled uh, the oppression during the Hundred Years' War, the religious oppression by the Catholics. They were Lutherans. And so they went to Holland and then they were pressed there. So they came to Pennsylvania and they became known as the Pennsylvania Germans. And my dad was 22 and my mother was 20 when I was born. It's very young. 
and uh, and as the firstborn, I'm I I I was the uh, the learning experiment, <laughs> and uh, it it apparently overwhelmed my mother uh, giving birth, uh, and uh, she was apparently not really tuned into helping uh, any any support from anywhere else, and so uh, actually she tells a story uh, about my birth that. Was she told it over and over again every time somebody she knew uh, was pregnant, and I, often with me standing at her side, and she didn't understand the effect it was having on me. But the story was when I was born, uh, she tells it. The nurse showed me to her, and apparently they showed me to her before they cleaned me up. And you know, and newborns are kind of messy. And she said, "Oh my God, that's not my baby." He's ugly, and uh, and then he said, "She said he looks like a monkey because apparently, as newborns often do, that I had a lot of hair in my body." And uh, so she retold that story over and over with me standing at her side, never understanding the effect that was having on me. I truly grew up thinking I was ugly, and and then, uh, well. You know, if I hadn't worked on myself and gone ther to through therapy, I might be sitting in some dark alley shooting up heroin today. So I, I have a great deal of uh, compassion for people who have hard times. I, my my childhood was not fun, and I and even having gone through it, I didn't know that at the time. I normalized it, which is what most kids do. They just normalize whatever happens to them, and they think. Well, that's just what happens to kids. So when uh, my mother uh, got me home from the hospital, she was unable to breastfeed me. She was not able to produce milk right away, which is normal, but nobody told her that. And, and, and so why no one told her, I have no idea. But what happened as a result was she turned me over to a babysitter and went back to work after I was a week old. And... <laughs> And, and then I had a series of babysitters uh, uh, for the first eight weeks of my life. Uh, and I found this out by looking at my baby book. You know how those baby books are where they keep records of everything? I got a copy of, uh, they gave me the book and, and I was reading through it. And it said at birth, I weighed six pounds. And then at uh, six weeks, I think it was six weeks, I weighed six pounds. Uh, no, eight pounds. I weighed eight pounds, six pounds of birth, eight pounds in, in six weeks. That's pretty normal. And then I looked, I got a magnifying glass because that eight didn't look very real. And I looked at it and it was written in ink. And it was an eight written over a five. So in essence, I really only weighed five pounds at eight weeks. And I would be what is now called a failure to thrive baby. I, uh, I was not uh, thriving from having all these babysitters and not being with my mom. And, and uh, so the bonding I had was tenuous at first and, and it almost killed me. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, when I was eight weeks old, uh, my mother was giving me a bath one night in the bathtub. And you know how the mother, how you hold the baby's head above water while you're bathing them in the bathtub. She let her hand slip and my head went underwater. And uh, if my father hadn't been watching her because they, she, he saw that she was not really 
tuned in to what was happening around her. She was depressed mm -hmm. and, and she was suffering from postpartum depression as many mothers are. And she was unable to really see what she was doing at the moment. If he hadn't been there to, to rescue me, I would have, I would have drowned. So at eight weeks, I almost died. And so he was aware by that time of the fact that my mother was just not able to really care for me. And so, uh, he sent me to live with my grandmother and aunt and that saved my life probably. Right. And so I stayed there during the week and then they picked me up on weekends. And so it was, it was always a kind of a, uh, a new experience to meet my mother again. At, because when you're that young, being separated from your mother is like an eternity. Like you don't even, you know, like the out of sight, out of mind thing that is happening with infants yeah. and so i didn't i didn't even know who this woman was when she showed up every week every every saturday morning to pick me up or friday nights and whenever it was so anyway that went on until i was almost 10 months old and then when i was 10 months old uh, they lived in this apartment second story apartment with a very steep set of stairs going up to the apartment from the street level and there was a gate at the top of the stairs to keep me from, I guess, falling down the stairs if I was crawling. But at that time, I was in a walker, and I was apparently just about ready to, to walk on my own. And I was in this walker, and my mother forgot to latch the gate at the top of the stairs. It was wide open, and I fell down the whole flight of stairs in my walker. Second time, I could have died within my first year. And... uh they didn't, they said, well, you didn't have any broken bones, so we didn't take you to the doctor and you were fine. Well, I wasn't fine. And uh, I've suffered from a lifelong uh, 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 lumbar scoliosis as a result of that uh, fallout. And, and so I, that was a physical thing that happened. But uh, can you imagine what the, what the trauma would be for a 10-month-old to fall down a whole flight of stairs? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a trauma for anybody. I can't imagine it being yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the trauma it was for a 10-month-old. And then the other thing is that uh, because of my incident at eight weeks of almost drowning, I, I grew up with a fear of the water. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I'm, and then I also had kind of inappropriate safety parenting. My, my, both my, my parents and my grandparents were really uh, scared of the world, I think, in some ways, because all the safety messages I got was on, now don't cross the street without looking both way because you might get hit by a car and get killed. Yep. Or if you, if you go down to the swimming pool, don't go in the deep end because if you do, you might drown. Yep. It was always the, the dire consequences at the end of, if I didn't follow these, these kind of uh, safety rules. And, and that, was a distorted pattern for me. And I, I, I really uh, grew up not wanting to take any risks physically because I was afraid anything I did would lead to the most awful consequences I could imagine. So those kind of safety messages inhibited me. And uh, so I, I didn't date much in high school because I thought it was ugly. And uh, uh, it wasn't until I was in my I guess early twenties that I finally shook that. So that's kind of where I started. And, 
and then also my family was and my grandparents uh, particularly were my grandmother was very religious and and uh, she was uh, a person this is how i got to be a psychologist that's why i'm leading up to this one uh, is uh so no drinking no smoking no swearing no dancing nothing uh, you know uh, like that was permitted in in that religion and so her son my uncle who i was always compared to and he was the only one in either side of the family had ever uh gone on to college uh, my neither of my parents graduated from high school. My mother went to eighth grade. My father quit school when he was in senior, which is another story. But anyway, neither one of them uh, were were educated. I, there were no books in my home at all. I mean, it was I was about ten or eleven years old, and my aunt gave me a subscription to National Geographic, and I, that was my tri, prized possession in childhood that I could read National Geographic, look at the pictures. I traveled all over the world through National Geographic and, and it was amazing. But anyway, back to the story of my uh, uncle uh, and he was studying to be a psychologist uh, and he was going to Penn State University and he'd come home from breaks and he'd, be, he'd walk in the door with a quart of Jack Daniels under each arm, a cigarette hanging out of his mouth and swearing a blue streak. I mean, that was his way of, of dealing with the, the oppressive religious environment he grew up with. And, and, uh, and so he was the topic of conversation in the whole family all the time, even when he, when he particularly when he wasn't there. <laughs> and I yeah. thought, now that's pretty cool that he can get away with all these things that nobody, I know when my grandmother would come to visit, my parents would hide the ashtrays, hide the liquor and, 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 and be on their very best behavior, never say a swear word. Uh, and I thought, well, now that's pretty cool. And I think that might've had some influence in me becoming a psychologist. I thought maybe <laughs> this is the only way I'll get free from this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I got it uh, 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 fairly uh, uh, organically, as you might say, growing up in a family and watching everything. And, and, and also there were just a lot of family secrets. Right, uh, right. And it was just a hard, and, and these were working class people. I mean, these were, I grew up in a very poor family and uh, there were many days when we didn't know whether we'd have enough food to eat. So I, 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 I really understand what poverty looks like and, so, and feels like. It, yeah. it, it's pretty damn scary. It is, it is. Um... How do you so a lot of the, a lot of the story that you shared uh, obviously was before um, before from before you would be able to recall memories, um, you know, th th things that you things that you were told later, things that you discovered, uh, etc. Um, but I'm but I'm but I would imagine that a lot of those things continued into your adolescence and didn't get better, you know, yeah. as you're as you know, a, a, a mother who who says that their son looked like a monkey and um and was just dis disgusting yeah. and not my son and, and uh, too ugly and yeah, I was, I was next to you. Like, I, I assume that that didn't get better with age, no, it got worse because uh, I became the family toilet and anything that went wrong in the family was my fault. Mm hmm. And particularly for my mother's side, I mean, her her most common expression to me growing up was, "You are a worthless piece of shit, and you'll never amount to anything." I mean, repeatedly saying that to me. 
Yeah. And you can imagine what that feels like. And it just was awful. I, I tried my best to avoid her as much as I could growing up. Spent a lot of time outside in the neighborhood. And when I was at home, I was, I was in my room and I didn't interact with anybody. I'd, I'd love to, um, if it's okay with you, cause I know that we have a plan for, um, we have a plan for the, uh, for, for the, for the third episode of, of the show, but I would love to, cause we're already at the 20 minute mark here. Um, I would love to, to dive a little bit deeper into your story in the next episode, actually of the show, because I would love to, um, I, I would love to learn a little bit more about how you, uh, started to live from your authentic yeah, self. That's, after... that's the part I didn't get to, and I'll get, I'll, I'll be glad to, uh, in the next episode to continue yeah. with that. And that that's the better part of the story. The, right, this, but this but the... I think that we set a good foundation for that, right? Because yeah. there's so many things like you and I did not have exactly the same childhood. My mom went through a lot of uh, uh, a lot of stuff. Um, I don't I don't believe that postpartum depression was one of those things you know it wasn't as directly harsh all of these things but a lot of the trauma uh you know I I understand like you know something that's wonderful and and it's why we had very specific guests telling their specific stories in the last version of a podcast that you and I did together um like even though your story is very specific to you, it is also very uh, universal to so many people, and so right. many people can see themselves in that. So I'd love to take the next episode to sort of expand on that and 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 use you as an example for how uh, you were able to move past some trauma and and not only help yourself but help uh, help a lot of other people along the way. Yeah. Okay. We'll do that. Awesome. Um, all right. So everybody, I just want to remind you that uh, Get Real, How to Live a More Authentic Life is brought to you by the Colorado Institute for Conflict Resolution and Creative Leadership. For more resources on today's topic uh, and all of the topics that are ever covered in this um, and just anything that you need in general, uh, go to circle.org. It is not the actual word circle, uh, but you can click it in the show notes and find out all of the information there. And that's how you can uh, connect with Barry as well. Uh, Dr. Barry Weinhold, thank you so much again for your time. It's been, and, a it's been a pleasure, Ben. And for sharing your story with us, because I really, really appreciate it. So yeah. thank you. And we'll see everybody next episode. For more information, please visit the Colorado Institute for Conflict Resolution and Creative Leadership at CICRCL.org or click the link in the show notes.